Kaya FM podcast. Saturdays with Jenny. And right now, of course, we're with Katlejo Sokoto, a Kaya FM news reporter, and we're talking about on corridors of death. But Katlejo, first of all, it's lovely because I haven't seen you for weeks. Yes. Because you know, you've been you've been out. And I have. About. And you look like a changed woman. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, well, I've, I'm doing the thing that I love to do, which is being in the field, field reporting, you know, being in touch with the story as it's happening. So the story that's really gotten my attention the last few weeks, I don't know if you've heard about it, Tando Masangu. Oh, yes. He's the, the Ndebele author and activist and really following it from the from the incident until talks with the CRL commission and so that was amazing and then I did, um, I went to the Randburg Magistrates Court this week in the case relating to Ntlem Lochwa who's uh, obviously the former wife of estranged husband uh, Black Coffee and so I've been following a number of stories throughout the weeks and it's been interesting, it's been fun from my side. Your hair's fun as well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now listen, yes. the, the title of this book, Corridors of Death, Struggling to Exist in Historically White Institutions, it sounds very gloomy, but the cover isn't gloomy. No, it's not. It's not. And the, and the, and the writing's not gloomy either. It's, um, it feels academic. It feels researchy. It's a beautiful book. And it's really about basically the book explores the lived experiences of black students in historically white universities and it's this constant flow between the author's personal recounts of circumstances and experiences sometimes by the author's friends as well of being in these institutions and then obviously then the book supports those experiences those personal accounts with academic research and basically it outlines how so many of the universities of today really do don't uh, ask, they're not safe spaces for black students and black bodies and how the those institutions are really wear down the mental health of black students. They tire so many black students and as a black student myself and I was at, you know, Wits University and so I know what she's saying. So the book felt all too familiar and it, it's quite, uh, it accurately recounts specific incidents, for example, which students relate to dropping out of university universities and how, for example, so many black students do drop out and why that happens. Students also being extremely depressed while at school and in some instances students dying by suicide because of the toxic environment of being in these historically white institutions. What I like about the book is that it goes to great lengths to academically support and argue why the experience of the black student in particular matters. So, you know, it's it's not just about how the author feels, but but it's this academic research and quotes from academ- black academics on things that affect the mental health of, of students. The fact that, you know, just for example, the moment you register, it's a headache. Um, and we saw it in Fismas 4. We see it this year in, in, in the student protests that were happening. It's just a laborious effort just to be black and to be getting education in a higher learning institution. And so there's chapters in the book such as Lerona Rebatu as well as Begging to be Black. And really the author goes into depth explaining how black students still have to explain 
their humanness, how you don't come in to an institution that's prepared and ready to help you, whether that be through uh, research, whether that be you through mean being um, taught to research or, or no resources. I meant yeah. so so just having access to things. You know, you I mean, even as a student. I would hear of stories of students sleeping in libraries just so that they can learn and they have a place of safety because at that time your accommodation is not sorted out, your your bursary or your NASFAS hasn't been paid out, or you don't even know where you're going to get the funds to stay, for example. So those are the things that I explored in the book. And another interesting angle is how the author explains how, for example, even in the academic work itself, there are issues. So, for example, if you're at a historically white institution and predominantly most of your lecturers and supervisors are white, even in your dissertations, in your academic work, there's this pressure to always reference white academics. And I saw it with myself. I mean, my sister, she was at the University of Pretoria and she also um, had issues with referencing a lot of black academics because your supervisors are white and they don't want to see that as often as you would like to. So, I mean, I can just read a passage for you, Jenny, where she explains that tricky relationship between black students and white supervisors. And she says, it is inevitable in a climate such as this that black students are going to continue to be supervised mostly by white academics since they are the ones who dominate all faculties and all historically white universities in particular. And while I do not seek to argue that black students should only be supervised by black academics, it is important to recognize that the transformation of institutions will create an environment less alienating for black students. We should have options when it comes to deciding who must supervise us And when faculties have only one black professor or associate professor, it becomes almost certain that we will have only one, only white supervisors to choose from. This is wrong and should not continue to happen in a country where black people are a demographic majority. And so, you know, that I felt that that was, it's right. So you can hear her her arguments in terms of, it's not just personal experiences, it's, it's lived experiences as, as well, but it's also like this is what actually happens. And another part of the book in which she explores student protests in particular, you know, Fees Must Fall back in 2015 was, you know, was I think the theme of that year. But she explains how institutions at like the Tswana University of Technology, so TUT, students were already picketing, protesting, mobilizing before the big umbrella of Fees Must Fall was created and black students there were already frustrated, they were already raising their frustrations and I'll read you this particular um, paragraph, it's quite lengthy but I just wanted to finish off with it or just uh, give you a frame of what she was saying there about TUT and other universities really playing an important role in student protests. So she says, our present positionality in the relative comfort of well-maintained residences of our historically white universities must never fool us into thinking that we are an advanced detachment of black people. We are not. We are as black as the TUT students who are using ironing boards as a shield. 
The blood of Benjamin Pesha that spilled on the streets of Soshanguve on that fateful day when he was killed during protests is our collective blood. The blood of Gloria Seguena, the mother who was killed in a stampede outside the University of Johannesburg in 2012 when she, along with thousands of parents and students, were fighting for access to university is our blood. For this reason and more, whatever our position positionality, we as black students at Rhodes University, at Wits University, at the University of Cape Town, share the same umbilical cord with the students of TUT. The middle-class black students at Rhodes University might express their depth of their own mental pathology by packing their bags and leaving, as Tandum Bilini did. But the TUT student could express it by throwing a rock at an armed police officer or burning down a university building. Both these acts arise from a deep, from a place of deep frustration resulting from constantly having to negotiate one's very humanity. The Rhodes student is not more, any more civilized for there is no place for civility for black students when they are reduced to subservient beings. To be black is to rage, and though some rage with their feet by packing their bags and leaving, some rage with destroying the physical symbols of the thing they regard as the conveyor belt of their oppression. To quote an African proverb, the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. The students at TUT did not burn down the village because they are mad. They burned it down because they could no longer breathe. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. It's so angry. Yeah. And it's a justified anger. And and that's what you get a sense in the book. Everything is justified. And it's interesting that if I read it, I feel that it's justified. But I think it's important read for white academics as well, for white students as well. Because for me to read it is preaching to the choir, you know. It's important for all of us to read it, whether you're in or just have left any higher learning institution or you're about to embark on that journey and you're going back to f- complete your studies it's a great read so so i i mean i'm i'm presuming that this is available in university libraries and things like that but i don't know i'm not too sure i'm not too sure well there's there's really i don't know how to find out but but it just seems to me it should be something that is passed from person to person yeah so that as many people as possible can actually read it but also read it to understand it yeah you know i mean sandiwi magona has got a brand new book coming out and um and all of her books are powerful and they all carry messages and things like that and i know it's fiction but i have learned so much through sandiwi magona mm. and her fiction about about the state of rural east East South Africa, basically. Yeah. The rituals and what happens when they collapse and when they can no longer work or when you can't get to the clinic or, I mean, all sorts of things that in a city we we don't really pay attention to because we can get to, to facilities, mostly, yeah. Yeah. mostly, not all the time. But this book sounds really important and I can see you've really read it and underlined bits and pieces that obviously are very meaningful. It is. It's it's a meaningful book and it's I like that it's not all 
personal because if it does become that without the academic backing then it just comes across like another angry book but you know she she quotes she goes back to um pre-94 and she quotes certain anc leaders and how they conducted themselves within these institutions and or, or freedom fighters and it's it's great in that it's it's personal but it's backed up with fact interesting publishing house this because it's now gone independent Blackbird um, Books. yes it yes. was part of jacana and the editor left and i think thought about things for a few months because it, you know you lose your job it's pretty hard mm. and has decided to go on her own and uh, she's done some very very powerful books and this certainly sounds like another one J- just talk to me about the incongruity of the cover or is it incongruous well, the cover is, I mean, it's a blue with this flower and there's a man who's on his head in the flower. So I wasn't too s- struck by the cover. You know, I didn't even know what it means. I was just reading the contents of the book, but it's only now that you're highlighting it. That is quite striking. And it's, I mean, it's a serious book. And, uh, and I actually thought, well, it, it's just not a serious cover. No, it's not. You know, it's got a playful cover. It for, has. That's for a, a book. It's, it's exactly that's, yes, yes, yes. I think that's what I'm. I'm really querying. Listen, I think it sounds absolutely terrific. And are you going to lend that out? I can. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me give you the details of this book because it sounds very, very powerful. It sounds very, very necessary, particularly if you're young at university or if you are thinking of going to university. It's called Corridors of Death, struggling to exist in historically white institutions and it's by Malaika Waazania. And I mean, there's obviously more to come from this particular mm. writer. Yes. You, you, you can tell already. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. Saturdays with Jenny. Every Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM podcast. Go to kayafm.co.za for more.